Welcome to the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. This is the only podcast that gives you a raw and unfiltered perspective of what it's really like to be a professional cheerleader. Whether you're currently on a pro team, an alumni, or really curious about what it takes to become a pro cheerleader, the Pro Cheerleading Podcast gives you all the inside scoop and hot topics in the pro cheerleading industry and in-depth interviews of current and former cheerleaders. I'm your host, Makiba. Join me every Wednesday as I reveal the truth behind the palms. Everybody, welcome to the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. This is a, an episode that I have been wanting to do ever since, I don't know, maybe even a year ago. Um, but this episode is squarely focused on the experience of Asian American and Pacific Islander pro cheerleaders, aspiring cheerleaders, and some of the issues that they face with respect to diversity and inclusion in pro cheer. And I think it's been something that's been on my heart for a while. Um, we just had the AAPI Heritage Month in May, right? So um, I'm just so happy that this was pulled together. I have an amazing group of ladies, and so I'm going to let everybody introduce themselves, but welcome to the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. I'm so excited. Let's start with you, Bianca. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I'm Bianca. I am from the LA area, born and raised, and um, I've been an NBA dancer for two seasons. Then I took what I thought was my retirement, but really it was just a four year hiatus from my pro dance career before doing another five seasons uh, with an NFL team here. So you have both NFL and NBA perspective. That's awesome. Uh, what about you, Erica? Yeah, my name is Erica and I am from the Seattle area, born and raised as well. Um, and I was on the Seattle Seahawks dancers for one season. Awesome, and we also have Caitlin. Thanks for having me. Um, my name is Caitlin. I'm a professional dancer based in Seattle, Washington, and I'll be bringing in the perspective of an AAPI dancer who's trying to break into the pro cheer industry and the things that I've noticed so far. Yeah, and you could also, anything that you have to add just from your experience as a professional dancer, I'd be definitely intrigued to hear about that as well. Let's see. So let me just say again, thank you for just being willing to have this conversation. I think it's so important. I think just for context, would you say that the teams that you've been a part of or companies that you've been a part of had a lot of representation when it comes to the AAPI community? And just no one particular order. Otherwise, I'll sound like a teacher and call on people, but feel free to jump in whenever. I will say, at least for like the year that I was on, there was seven AAPI individuals on the team, but that mm -hmm. also came with the joining of boys on the team. So I think that that's kind of different. Like a majority of the numbers came from three or four males. So I think that's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So I do think like that's pretty specific and it does feel different, like females in the space that are Asian American as opposed to males, like males kind of like carve their own path because it's kind of like uncharted territory, but it definitely felt different for me as opposed to the guys. I was not a Seahawks dancer, but the Seattle Seagulls on the team. And um, I should have went back and did my own homework of how many dancers we had at the time, but it did feel like somewhat balanced in terms of at least like African-American cheerleaders and the number of Asian-American cheerleaders on the team at the time, I thought was pretty decent rest. I'm looking at back at my pictures like, right, I'm trying to think, but obviously we're the minority, but it just did seem like it was a somewhat of a mix. So I appreciate that. What about you, Bianca? So on the NBA team I was on, we had four Asians out of 16 dancers. I would definitely say that in terms of 
the audition process and typecasting, I definitely felt like, you know, all the Asian American girls in this room are my competition to get onto this team. Mm -hmm. Like one of my really good friends, she was dancing on this particular team. She was thinking about auditioning for another team. And I was like, okay, if she moved to that team, maybe I have a shot at getting onto this team. And what happened? She auditioned for the other team, got it. I auditioned for the team she was previously on. Then I got it. And I was like, I knew it. Couldn't have us both. But in the NFL, at least the team I was on, we always had a range anywhere from like seven to nine Asian American cheerleaders on the team. I felt like we had really good representation, especially being in LA. The team we were on really reflected the LA area and the diversity we had. And I will say, you know, upon first glance, you wouldn't think, oh, this person is Asian American, this person, but we have a lot of mixed race people on our team as well. And I think that's not something that we should not include in, you know, the count, right? Right. Um, I think that we had some really good representation. And for me, there was this one year where we had like five Filipino girls on the team. (laughs) It was like, that's just the Filipino people doesn't even include the rest of the Asians we have on the team. So it just made me feel really good about being part of something that didn't really look at what you look like, but really speaking ability and dance ability and really go into where, you know, the natural break in terms of the people auditioning for the team was. That is awesome. What about you, Caitlin? I think general trends that I've seen after just a lot of like Instagram stalking as well. Again, I'm, I'm really new to the whole NFL industry. I came from a classical contemporary background. So coming in, I was seeing a lot of trends in general towards more diverse teams. Now that was either, you know, people of color or it was, you know, male. So I think in general, it's getting a lot better. I think there's also like one step forward, three steps back. I think it just really varies by team, by city. California is an incredibly diverse place. You know, there are just the amount of people auditioning, maybe already a more diverse pool. Mm-hmm. And that's so true. I mean, I was thinking of, like you said, just appearances and that whole vibe, especially with auditions and who shows up, that there's this unspoken rule that you're kind of competing against people of the same race or background as you, which is just unfortunate because it should never, ever be that way. And I think this is just a question that I, you know, hope doesn't even sound clueless, but I've always been bothered with sometimes, you know, these terms, right? Like if you say, Black or African-American, just kind of how like there's so many different things lumped into that category. And so do you guys feel that it's somewhat similar because, you know, like you said, there's Filipina, there's countless different (laughs) backgrounds and nationalities. So did you feel like you were able to kind of have that bit of individuality, at least of being recognized as that on the team? You know, sometimes in the bios, I don't know. It's like sometimes it just doesn't seem like it's something that you're able to kind of mention or just have as a reflection of who you are. So it's just not just being lumped into one big category or overlooked because of the mixed race factor too. I would say that on the NBA team, we had a Filipino heritage night, which I loved every year we had like, you know, themed out t-shirts. They would like have us do meet and greets. Anyone on the team who happened to be Filipino American, like our 
parents would come, they'd sell tickets to their friends. Mm -hmm. Like it was a really big celebration there, which was really cool. And then I would say on the NFL side, I think the rise of social media and like letting us be able to create content to showcase who we are as people, I think was a, a nice way to tie in our heritage. So for example, we were trying to show like, what are your holiday traditions? And so I did a video of myself cooking like Filipino food. And, you know, I think that definitely offers more avenues for us to be able to represent who we are. Whereas, you know, a decade ago when I was cheering on the NBA team, there were like harsh rules against social media because it was like kind of a wild west back then. We wanted to make sure the message was just so. But whenever I can, I've been able to find opportunities to really celebrate my heritage. That's awesome. What about you, Erica? I'm trying to think about it. I'm like, I don't know that there were any places that I would explicitly say, like, this is my culture. This is where I'm from. Even in our bios, I don't know that we wrote that anywhere. I don't even really feel like there was that much acknowledgement that I was Asian or even that specifically that I'm Chinese. Like, I don't really think that there was mm -hmm. much acknowledgement there. And it's cool to hear that there's like heritage nights and different things, but I don't know if it's a different space than with NFL to be able to acknowledge different things like that. I think it's totally the leagues. I wish the NFL did more like that. I think it's important if somebody wanted to be able to just bring that out and who they are and yeah. their bio, whether it's their bio or whatever it might be, because it's just something that should be celebrated, not like promoted where it's like randomly. I mean, it's good if they're showing interest, I think, as an organization to say, hey, we understand it's AAPI month if anybody would like to, blah, 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 versus like, hey, you, we need you for X, right. Y, and Z. Yeah. I think it really depends, again, on the team, the league. <laughs> From what I've noticed, I do think it's a shame because I think similarly to how, Makiba, you may be grouped into just Black african-american mm -hmm. any type of asian would also be grouped in so when i'm auditioning i'm counting and this is something that i think is very unique maybe to people of color who are auditioning for traditionally paler teams um but you're counting how many people there are of color in general of all mm -hmm. backgrounds then you're zooming in on specific asians doesn't matter if you're chinese japanese like you're looking at how many people have similar hair color have similar eye shape have similar bone structure no matter their background it's a very special issue people of color have the fact that we have to count that yeah. should that should never be the case you know yeah. you should feel comfortable to come as you are and just give it your best and give it your all and not think oh crap they only have three Asians on the team. I have to be one of them. I have to replace one. But I do think that that's a very unique issue that people of color have going into this audition process. Yeah. And it's something, especially with looks of different episodes that I've done where, you know, we cover like hair or we cover makeup or just different things that kind of achieve that pro style and that look. Those are things that come up even in that context too, where it's like, okay, there's a black girl, but she's got blonde hair going on. I can't look like that. Or if you're thinking along those lines of like, well, who has a similar build than me? Like, I'm, I don't think I'm short, but maybe I'm shorter than most. And so if there's somebody tall, who's a person of color, I'm gonna be like, okay, well, maybe they'll be on squad four. And I don't have to really worry about that being competition. It's amazing how we process 
this space, I think, in terms of the opportunities that are truly available to us. It should never stop anyone, but I know that that creeps in. Once you're showing up, I mean, virtual, I guess you don't have that option of seeing who all is in it, but as soon as they post finalists, I'm sure everybody's doing the count and seeing <laughs> who's there and what they look like. I don't know how unique it is to approach here, but I knew that we, again, having the episode that we did with African-American cheerleaders, it was just stuff that came out and it's just amazing to hear the similarities of what we think about and you know, how we question ourselves or whether we need to change what we look like so that we can have more of a chance of making these teams. Exactly. Not ideal. Anything we're saying is specific to one organization or one team or one league, NBA, yeah. NFL. I think this applies to every organization. Absolutely. Well, I will say it's been an evolving space and I think we're a lot better than where we maybe were a few years ago. Thank goodness to social media and different things. And maybe I'm just talking to a lot of the great, amazing directors and coaches out there as part of the podcast, but just knowing that they're really trying to be more explicit about like, I want you to be you. I want to celebrate who you are. So please don't feel like you need to be something else or someone else when you show up at auditions. Hopefully anyone listening will take that away as well from what you ladies are saying. It's just that we recognize that we think like that, but we shouldn't. We should try not to, because I think there's a lot more openness than maybe ever before on this. So, and this can be just in your entire dance career. It doesn't even have to be specific to pro, but again, I just really want to highlight your experience coming from this community. Just any like microaggressions or just instances of discrimination, especially now, because you would think we'd be a lot better off now than we could have been years ago, but anything that you want to share, just things that I think are maybe more unique to your community and maybe like my experience as a black cheerleader. In terms of microaggressions, I'm trying to think back to like different appearances that I've done, but I have to say I haven't really experienced anything like that in any of my interactions with fans or other people within the organizations I was a part of. Again, that could be because of my location. I mean, LA is so diverse and so, you know, I didn't feel any, any microaggressions, but I will say in terms of like being Asian American and how I was brought up, I think definitely impacted my ability to like be on a team and be a good team player. So I think going a little step deeper into all of this, growing up with your parents being immigrants, you're taught like, keep your head down, work hard, hard work will be recognized, don't rock the boat. My corporate life, when it comes to work, like they want people with really strong opinions who can like make decisions and they like people who can rock the boat. But in terms of being on a team, it is good if you're able to kind of people please get along with everyone, not rock the boat, not pull too much attention to yourself because it's all about the team. And I think just the way I was raised, it was all about the group and like not individuality, which I think mm -hmm. might have served better for being on a team. It's definitely been a reason why I'm like, I don't want to be in a position of leadership because I'm like, you know, I don't want too much attention on me, but more like, hey, let's all be great examples to each other and let's all get along. And I was definitely like a peacekeeper and someone who looked at all the mm -hmm happier things you know being on a team but I think the way I was brought up really helped with like the team dynamics and being set up for success to be on a team. In the pro space there is that dynamic I think of teeter-totter of like individuality enough to get you to stand out but then also when you're on the team especially as a rookie 
blend and don't stand out, especially in a bad way, because you'll be called out all the time. I didn't follow that rule, I think, too well for after my rookie year. I was, <laughs> I was cut and then thankfully made it back on. Um, but I think, uh, you know, your point is well taken of just, you know, there's just so many dynamics of being on a pro team. And if you're not kind of going after the spotlight or that captain role or just wanting that kind of shine all the time, which there is that obviously as part of teams too. Um, I think that can helps just survive being on a team. I'll just put it that way. It's not that it's bad, but it's just kind of a way of existing in without rocking the boat. Yeah. I think it's really interesting because the perspective of like the rookie, not trying to rock the boat because Entering the pro cheer space, I did not know what I was getting myself into because I made it onto the team with hip hop. So I thought that I was going to be lumped in with the guys and I learned a lot, (laughs) like going through the process and figuring out like, what is my place as a rookie? What is my place as a female compared to the male? So I know that I hold a very different perspective, but I learned a lot about like, being a rookie and then also like being an Asian American and feeling like I shouldn't speak up when there's certain things that I'm like not sure about or certain things that I am unfamiliar with. There was a lot of learning in that process. Um, And definitely I feel like being Asian was a part of that of being like, well, I'm just gonna, you know, put my head down and do the thing and just like figure it out as I go. So yeah, I definitely agree with Bianca. Well, Caitlin, I'm going to not call you out in any kind of way, but I will say that I was just struck um, with your post that brought you to my attention. I admired your courage just to say your observations and just pointedly just how you felt and what your experience was. I really thought it was very courageous because I think we do have certain issues to navigate to, to make the team, to survive on the team, blah, 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 blah. I say survive like you guys are on a TV show like Survivor, but um <laughs> But I think I find it refreshing when there's maybe a little bit of rule breaking going on. Maybe it's the rebel in me. Um, I know it's not always feasible to just speak your mind and say what you think and how you feel. But tell us a little bit about just your perspective on that. Sure. Yeah. Happy to. Um, I, I did audition for the Seahawks this past season, and I I don't have anything against the organization at all. So I'm going to start it off right there. There's mm-hmm. a couple things that I've noticed, but I think that I would probably notice him, you know, depending on if I was auditioning for a different team. But one of the things that I noticed um, for the rookies, just the rookies, I'm not talking about the whole team. Um, when they were announcing the rookie class, it was 10 out of 11 were um, white. And so when you're being called one after one, it was very isolating because the people left over, a lot of them are people of color. And it felt very segregated and like the worst. It's like, it broke my POC heart in a very special way. Am I disappointed that I didn't make an NFL team my first year trying out and trying? Kind of, but no, not really. I think I was more heartbroken by the fact that I didn't see anyone that looked like me. And there were no Asians in the rookie class for the Seahawks answers. And again, that, you know, I have nothing. It's like, you know, everyone's extremely, extremely talented. The competition was fire. Like there's no doubt about that. But I think I was more disappointed because about probably halfway through when they were announcing the rookies, 
I think the first thing that actually thought that came into my mind was, I hope it's not like this for my kids. I know it was probably oh. like this for maybe my parents' age. I might miss it this round. And it might be because I have a more classical techno background. So many reasons. But just seeing one person after another, not a single Asian, one person of color walking up, it breaks your heart in a little bit, in a very special way. And immediately I thought about, I hope it's not like this for my kids. I hope that they are in a more, whether that's a diverse city or place or the leadership, you know, like I don't want them to ever feel how I felt um, at that very end. But that was just my experience. I just felt very starkly Asian at that moment in time. And that's no, and my I, And I want to piggyback off of that because like, I, I was there, I went through the same thing. I was also <laughs> cut in finals and, and kind of feeling like, oh shoot, like the rookie class is very predominantly white. And a lot of like the Asian representation was from vets. And even given that a lot of the vets, like there's different types of Asians in there. And I didn't see a whole lot of East Asian representation and like feeling like that doesn't just check the box. Once you, you get some colored people in there, like that doesn't, that doesn't really, you know, quite check it. And I also think that seeing a rookie class or like a big group of people that is predominantly white, it feels like, huh, should I have kind of played to that aspect or like was the aesthetic that I went for not the right one or you know should I have done my makeup differently should I have dyed my hair and I know that's something that I felt on the team as well is that like if you were a person of color the blonder your hair was the better I don't know I think that that's something that I that I saw and felt no and I think gosh there's so many things running through my head One, I think it's important. I mean, I have the diversity survey that's up for people to complete if they're on an NFL team for right now. But one of the things that, Caitlin, your post highlighted for me, just the experience of seeing the rookie class, because I think, you know, with a diversity survey that's up and when I've taken a look and done my best job at trying to assess uh, the level of representation, which always feels awkward because people can, you never know if I'm just looking at someone, who they are, what their background is. But you're seeing the team that's already formed. You don't think about who's in the room as aspiring dancers. And I think what struck me, and like I said, I appreciate your vulnerability and even sharing that kind of, ugh, because I felt that four times in a row until making the team where mm-hmm. the numbers are called and you you know who the vets are because you already stalked the page. So you know who the people are that were already on the team. <laughs> so you you have in your mind who's a vet coming back when their numbers are called. But when you look at the new faces and you see those numbers called and then you look at who's left around you. I've experienced that where you're kind of like, oh, here we all are, you know, and sometimes you don't even get to peep that during the auditions process fully of like who you're really sizing yourself up against. But boy, do you feel it when you're calling numbers and you're like, dang, that short black girl is still here. Like what, you know, you start to kind of the windows and the doors feel like they're closing in on you. So I definitely recognize that. They think that they have enough people of color they don't need to add anymore. And if anything, they diluted it a little bit. And the reason why I think I also wrote that post, I was just extra emotional too, because we were just, just, I mean, we're still in the thick of stop Asian hate, Black Lives Matter. I mean, we're not out of that yet. 
Mm-mm. They're so much opportunity. They have so much power to make change. And so coming off of that, it just felt like, what more do you need? You know, like the nation is calling for a deep reconciliation of how we, we treat racial equity. And mm-hmm. it just felt like after everything, you know, that's happened, such an emotional, um, yeah. a tough year all around, but specifically for the African-American, Asian-American community, the toughest. So the that toughest. was just, I was just feeling so many emotions. And then that, after that, I was like, oh, I don't know. It's so also just so discouraging because why would people of color audition if they don't see anybody represented there? I mean, and I felt that same exact way. There was only one African-American cheerleader those three, four auditions before making the team. And I kept thinking, and she retired and I made it. So everybody, we're all on the same page there, that experience, <laughs> but um, which it shouldn't be that way. I was like, can there just be two of us? Is it possible? Um, but that thought that, you know, in feeling like, oh, this is good. We did good here, or that's enough, or we don't, I don't even really know. Sometimes it's the numbers of, you know, who they're allowed to have on their team, season to season, budget, blah, blah, blah. I get that they're different uh, considerations that go into forming the squad. Um, and we don't know, I mean, auditions is a whole other conversation that we can just have just on that. But I did recognize that feeling square on when you're in your posts of just like, wow, it's, it's just more like disappointment. And I think, again, your perspective is important because when you're wanting to break into this space and you see the same images over and over again of what you think the team is about or looking for, and these are the cues that you pick up on. And so Auditions is just a heartbreaking thing one way or the other. It's either great or it's like the worst in the whole entire world. So I, I get it. But when you're also trying to put behind you certain experiences that impact you differently as a person of color, it, it becomes more of a of a challenge. But I'm really hoping, I mean, there's different experiences represented even here with this call. And so it might be a matter of like team, league, you know, sport, whatever, And finding a team that truly resonates with you and that seems to celebrate it because I see the space observing everything for the podcast and they're definitely teams that I'm like, "Mm -hmm." like, I would love to be a part of that because, you know, you have a sense of like embracing that. I mean, that's kind of leads, I guess, to the next question that I had, because it's one thing to have us on the team in terms of numbers, right? But just inclusion, especially after the year that we've had in this space, I mean, like you said, it's not over, still going on. I mean, it just felt like a a punch in the gut every single time, you know, reading uh, these instances of, of hate crimes against the most vulnerable and God, like I, I literally get, I'm too emotional. So I, I, I just, um, it's a feeling of like this, this has to change and the space has to change. And obviously with Black Lives Matter and doing the episode about that, um, of the experience of African-American cheerleaders, how they felt their teams responded or didn't respond to the issues at the time. I just wanted to open the floor if there was anything that you wanted to share about just how you felt in terms of inclusion and and whether there was any support for you throughout this. It's just been, like you said, a rough, rough year and a plus some actually, but anybody that wants to share on that, I'd love to hear. I actually, like, I wasn't on the team for the 2020 season, so Mm -hmm. I didn't hear anything specifically from that side, but I'm glad to see teams posting and speaking out and like taking on that responsibility of like, even though some 
posts can feel like a check mark of like, okay, well, we did the thing. I did feel like the organization did a really good job of crafting the message to make sure that they were really supportive when it came to posting about Black Lives Matter or Stop AAPI Hate. But that's all that I can offer on that perspective. Yeah. yeah I appreciate that. Um, on the team I was on, I would definitely say that I was surprised how much support they did provide. They offered a venue for the team, players, coach, staff to like get on this giant Zoom to talk through the events of what has been happening this past year. And like people got vulnerable and like, I was honestly shocked that they provided that to us because you know it's easy to like leave off the cheerleaders because they're like oh are they really part of the organization or not and just like being a part of the conversation and having that platform no matter what role you had within the organization was really cool they brought in professionals to like facilitate the conversation ask the hard questions and like you know as soon as one person opens up like the floodgates open, right? So just knowing that the organization had our backs like that was really inspiring. I, I also think that it was really cool because we have an Asian American player and, you know, he was posting on his social and, you know, I was also given the um, opportunity to speak out on our social channels as well to bring awareness to it pretty early on when you know, all the hate crimes started happening. So, you know, even amongst my teammates who maybe didn't know like how serious it was, them seeing my posts about it, had them, you know, reach out to me. Hey, are you okay? How's it going? Anything I can do? So I definitely think that my team went above and beyond what I would have expected because, you know, thinking about other teams and knowing how they've handled certain situations, you know, you never know what you're going to get. And fortunately, you know, our team really held us through all of it. Obviously we're going through it still, but it was handled really well. We shouldn't be like, that's impressive. But I mean, it is in the sense yeah. of what we know that can be a reaction of just silence or even an acknowledgement that's maybe more behind the scenes. I mean, that was something that came out a lot with BLM was that, you know, there was just so much pain everywhere. Um, but people were really hurt by their teammates not necessarily reaching out um, or the fact that the organization wasn't very vocal. And I know I couldn't do an episode focused on BLM without addressing this as well, because it's just been, you know, people that are near and dear in my heart and my life. So it was really, really tough to see just what's been happening. And I'm, I'm happy to hear of any organization that's stepping up. And I didn't see as much, I'll say, on the Stop AAPI Hate as I did for BLM eventually when people kind of decided that it was okay to support it from a corporate perspective, maybe. But I mean, it's, I love hearing at least good examples. I mean, I think I was always highlighting the Golden State Warriors for the way that they address so many things that were going on last year. And so hearing about other organizations that get it and are trying to be mindful. And I really appreciate that with my particular organization, it wasn't just about checking off the box and making sure like it was seen in social, but doing the work internally, I think is huge because it's one thing to post about it, but to actually take the time to like bring resources to your staff, to your dancers, to your team, that's, that's making a really big step. Absolutely. Um, Caitlin, from your perspective, were you noting that too, in terms of thinking of teams? I know you're in the Seattle area, but of teams that stood out to you in that way? Yeah, I've seen a lot of really great examples 
um, especially in the past year of teams and how they responded to that. And that could be like from the organization and say their main Instagram to the, the more specific Instagrams of um, the dancers, the cheerleaders, whatever that may be. And so I, I think that's something that I believe every auditionee is looking at as well. What are the values of this team going into it? Just straight, you know, straight up. And if they're too shy or if the organization isn't bold enough to speak about Black Lives Matter or stop AAPI hate on their Instagram, how are they treating people internally? So that's absolutely something that when I'm looking at companies, teams, organizations, what are they putting out publicly? Because I think that's even just a small reflection of how they're treating their people internally. I could not agree more, but that's such a good point. I think people often forget, even though you're auditioning and there's that power dynamic of team versus you as someone auditioning that it's still something where you should be looking at how that organization fits you and your values and you should be picky. You should want to be somewhere where you'll be respected and your differences celebrated in the right way. And so all of those things, like the same way that you would research a company you're interviewing for, it's the same approach, I would say, to the pro chair space. And I think, you know, in talking to some of the coaches, directors, like that are in tune with their community and understanding that they have a big role to play. I mean, I know that the cheerleaders organization is always kind of like sometimes over there versus like brought into the larger organization. But I think I was happy to see that some of these directors that were the past year have realized that they, you know, they do have a lot of power and reach with their own Instagram account, but just understanding that the community is watching. And that's something that I've just been pumped to see is that response of like, we have an obligation to address things and to kind of face them head on and have those difficult conversations. And I hope that if anything coming out of it, that that's like a positive step in the way that they manage the teams. Absolutely. And it's a two-way street. It's like yeah. the and the organization saying, why should I pick you as a dancer, as a cheerleader? But on the other end, it's why should I pick you as an organization? You know, how yeah. are your values being reflected in your everyday treatment of the people in your organization? Yeah. And this is so exciting for me because I think just over time or just the history approach here, right? There's just this, you know, there's a lot of tradition going on. And so questioning the program and the organization and the leadership, like those things just weren't really fair game if you ever wanted to dance in your life. So I think the fact that these conversations are starting to happen, it's more, you know, in your face in whatever way, like it's kind of, you can't escape it. And so I love that, especially, you know, I mean, I'm a little, oh, a lot older, I'm sure than most of you, but I'm excited to see the new energy of new dancers coming into the space that are able to represent themselves well and being assertive, all of the things that they say they want in as an ambassador in the community. But like when you get it and some questions, valid questions are raised, I just think it's invigorating because it's something that you guys will help hold everybody's feet to the fire, so to speak, on the things that you're looking for, whether that's pay, whether that's just DNI work and, and how the cheerleaders are incorporated into the organization. These are all key valid points and questions. And I just love the the boldness, the audacity to kind of just bring them out and, and talk about them. That's the only way we're going to get any better, I feel it's like. Changing. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. Times are changing. And I don't think we're going to move too far backward. We're just going to keep moving forward. Let's hope. Well, let's see. So would you say the state of diversity in pro cheer is, I mean, on a scale of one to five, as it pertains to you coming from the API community, 
how do you feel it's reflected right now? What grade would you give it and what needs mm-hmm. to happen for things to change and get better? I think it's getting better. hundred yeah. percent getting better. There's no doubt about it. Teams are getting more diverse in general. Do I think we're done? No, there's so much work to be done to actually reflect a city. No, that's a lot of work and that's a lot of representation that needs to happen. But I will say that it all starts and and when we're we're talking about like grading or whatever, again, it depends, right? On the city, on like California is so incredibly diverse and also really competitive in the dance world. But I think it always starts at the leadership, you know, the people making the decisions. Is there diversity at the leadership level? And if there isn't, it's just an uphill battle for everyone involved. So I think it's so key moving forward. You know, if they're not seeing that diversity they want to see, they need to bring in consultants. They need to bring in more people to that conversation. It's top down from my perspective. So well, I fully believe that. Top, I think it'll definitely trickle down, but it's it's so important that in the room, the people making decisions, that there is representation there um, from, you know, not just like the judges, but to the very decision of who's going to make the team, you know, that representation has to be there all the way throughout. Yeah. I think people sometimes will believe that they're in the right headspace if they say, I don't see color or, I mean, I think it's just, they're into complete denial <laughs> when they say that, but like, um, I think it's an easy thing to hide behind in this space where they're like, no, I'm looking at danceability and technique, but there's just so many biases, especially in this space in terms of like the look or the, I mean, the traditional NFL cheerleader mold or NBA dancer, there's so many things that you're working against that you actually have to like proactively counter as a, mm-hmm. a person of the majority that's running these teams or even judging whatever it might be, you have to really do some work to make sure that you're not implicitly just kind of picking people who look like you. Cause I think it does start from the top in the leadership and I'm from Seattle. I worked with this organization for five years of my life. So I feel like I have the space to say certain things on, you know, just what that experience is like, but, you know, I do know that there are those biases and they are, you know, the leaders of these teams are not, immune to those biases. And I see them play out quite a bit. So just to keep it 100% real, it's just, they have to be mindful that they may very well, like when I looked at the rookies, for example, for the Seahawks after seeing your post, I was like, well, damn, but they all look like kind of like the typical look of the Seattle Seagull that was always picked through. Those are the ones that were picked for Pro Bowl. Those are the ones that were picked for all the opportunities. So I'm like, ah, yeah. we're, you know, continues. and it just continues. And, it, and yeah. you know, from Pro Bowl selection to, to future auditionees, the, it's a triple effect, you know, yeah, for sure. sure. What about you, Erica? What grade would you give? And not necessarily your team, but just, you know, the space in general, where do you think we're at and what needs to happen to get a little further along? Yeah, I think that we're we're going, we're in the process. Probably like, uh, we'll give it like a B minus. <laughs> like, <Okay. laughs> like we're solidly in efforts, but I think, yeah, leadership is such a huge thing of just like, if you look at the panel and you see just like white faces looking back at you, like you contemplate a lot of things and... Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing is 
equity like I think that's the thing that we're missing the lens of like can we carve out seats at the table for these people before we even look at the auditionees like can we ensure that there's a certain number of spots that will be filled by people of color I really wish that was part of the conversation instead of being a like for the judges to fall back on like, oh, well, we're just going off of skill or we're just going off of who we think would be ideal for the role because it could be skewed. It could be biased based on their own race. And there needs to be place carved out for those who have to work 10 times harder, five times harder to be able to look like they're going to fit that mold or even be a possibility of fitting that mold. And I think that that would be a really key thing to ensuring that there's more equality on the team is like, let's, let's open up that space for people that need it. I don't know people that have had the opportunity to train a certain way or be have the opportunity on college teams that they might not have on professional teams, like that route, we have to kind of go backwards and figure out how we can have more equity, um, not just on NFL, NBA teams, but in colleges too. Like, how do we, how do we have more equity? That is so important. Dang it, definitely. Because collegiate is a whole different, that's even worse. I mean, I feel like to me from, I don't follow all the collegiate teams, but when you see, you know, the clips of these competitions and whatnot, and it is just, whoa, (laughs) like, wow. I am blown away at the lack of diversity. It's like Mm. a tidal wave. And these are things that I've talked about as part of the podcast, but you picked up on a lot, Erica, is just, you know, when you work backwards and you think of how, you know, being classically trained or whatever, spending years and years in a dance studio is so cost prohibitive for so many communities of color to be able to train in that. And so when you have these, it's not that they're not good enough to be on a high school team or a collegiate team. They just, they may just lack opportunity or training or the ability to kind of grow and learn. And obviously we do have to work a lot harder. So sometimes, I mean, for me, that was figuring it all out in my thirties, kind of like this whole pro space, because I'm not classically trained or anything like that. But, but to your point, it's like when you don't question kind of the criteria of what you're really looking for and who's able, whether you're implicitly biased about it or not, but who you think actually fits that mold. Um, and you're not thinking about, okay, well, maybe they may not have had the same opportunity. So what can we do to, maybe there's more outreach in these communities for clinics that you wouldn't necessarily hold otherwise, or there's different things that you can brainstorm, at least if you're having a conversation where you're trying to figure out how can we improve this? Because otherwise it's gonna be very much who you see in dance classes, who you see on these collegiate teams and on up the chain that it's really gonna be a different space. If I think people who are in those leadership positions don't take a a more holistic view of just the dance community as a whole and the dancers that come through it and understanding that it's it's just a disproportionate impact on communities of color. And that's gonna be reflected in who shows up at auditions. And if you have like a super duper technical audition piece that's just only looking at that level of training versus just something that won't automatically eliminate a huge disproportionate number of people just based on background. Not that that's one, that's just one example, but I really appreciate your point on that, because it's something that I see, we're either gonna keep the progress that we're making or it's gonna unravel just based on what they're looking at. So I'm gonna get off my soapbox. What about you, Bianca? 
I would say looking at like a decade ago when I was auditioning and on an NBA team, it's like night and day from like my most recent experiences, just because back then I was definitely stalking the website, counting how many Asian girls they had on the team, looking at their hairstyle. Okay, do I cut my hair? Do I keep it long? And even up to the actual audition process, oh my God, that girl over there kind of looks like me and we're both wearing teal tops. Should I not wear a teal top anymore? And even like the shock and relief of like, oh, they took both of us. That's amazing. Like, I don't think anyone other than people of color even have that kind of thought like, oh, thank God they took both of us, you know. But now, at least with the NFL team I was on, our first year when they announced that they were coming to town starting this cheerleading team, we didn't know what to expect. They came from a completely different state where the team looked like completely different team. Um, Majority of them tall, blonde, white, you know, typical cheerleader look. And when they announced the team and I looked around at all my teammates, like seven of the 28 people there were Asian American. I was like, okay, we all made the team together. Like, that's pretty awesome. And just knowing that, all right, they're not just looking at what we physically look like, but what we bring to the table was um, really eye-opening. And, you know, every year that we auditioned, like I thought, oh, we're, we're fully stacked when it comes to the Asian Americans. And then we added more. I was like, amazing. It doesn't matter. But, you know, it changes every every year. I can't speak to what the team makeup is this year. Obviously it changes every time, but at least my experience, it's like night and day with how it was in 2010 versus how it is now. I would say definitely still probably in that B minus B area in terms of what we can improve and how we can, you know, do more for the AAPI community, but it's definitely getting better and it's improved so much just even in the past few years. I really appreciate that perspective of just the time that's passed too, because it was definitely just a different landscape. So it is encouraging to think about the amount of progress that's been made. B minus, I think is just very fair from what I've been seeing out there. So any parting thoughts that you would want to share with, and this is kind of talking to us as a community, as dancers that are in this space together. I mean, I love hearing that there was, you know, some camaraderie and care and concern um, showed by people that were part of your teams. Is there anything that you would say to your teammates, former, current, you know, soon to be teammates of how we can kind of just tighten up just as a community amongst ourselves? Does that make sense? Because I feel like it was something that came out of um, the episode focused on the experience of African-American cheerleaders, where we were just kind of pointing out those I don't know if it's like mean girl tendencies or something really truly about inclusion, right, from a racial perspective, but I think there were some interesting things that came out of that conversation where people were just saying, like, just things to think about, like, that you may very well overlook as a teammate and just ways that you can kind of see each other in a different way. Does anybody have anything to add to that as the last question of the day? Um, I hope that we get to a point or like we can have a healthier mindset when it comes to seeing people like us that like if anyone makes the team that looks like you like that's a win like it's about like the representation and that like yes it is 
competition sometimes, but I wish that we could change that lens and definitely being on the team with them to be able to kind of like join a community of people looking out for each other mm-hmm. and to stick up for each other, holding on to your identities as opposed to like conforming to maybe like what you see in the team, but kind of supporting each other to continue to represent yourselves. And also something a point ago when it comes to auditions, I think it would be really interesting if like almost there was a rubric that was really transparent or like just like what are the ideals of a team that would kind of prevent the panel from making really biased choices. Like I don't think I've seen anywhere explicitly like this is the type of training we want to see like these sorts of tricks and skills Um, and I think it would be really eye-opening to be able to have a transparent sort of rule system so that you make sure that you are basing it off of skill and then also equity as well no thank you no I appreciate that to move to a more diverse inclusive less microaggressive culture and space, I just feel like we need to destroy this idea of what a classic NFL cheerleader looks like. Tear it down. It does not have blonde hair. It does not have these big, like, blue eyes, chesty, six-pack of abs, like, huge butt, like, and also is, like, six feet tall. We just have to destroy that mentality because that's what they're looking for. And that's when the microaggressions come out. That's when it's like, why is your hair so thick? Why can't you flip? It doesn't flip, you know, as easily or something like those little things. We just have to destroy that, like that image of this is what I'm after and approach it from a, um, you know, the perspective of like, what would I want? Like, what would I want kids to see? You know, what would I want the younger generations to look up to? Whose faces do they want to see up there? I love that. And I was going to say, just with both your points, like the idea when I talked about the Denver Broncos team that they announced and just kind of looking back at the first diversity survey and how they had performed. And I was just like, okay, I know I had thought about it with the diversity episode that I did way back when. But, you know, when you look at the actual demographics of a city, um, just based on Census Bureau data or what have you, I mean, at the very bare minimum, like between the team, the NFL team, NBA team roster to the city demographics in the region, which isn't even an excuse anymore because you have virtual auditions and people willing to move, but just some conversation around race where you can, in addition to articulating what skill set that you're looking for, that you're going to be judging them on, but, and having that be really um, consistent in terms of like the, the proportion of weight that's given, because if you're push an ambassador, 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 and your interview process is really superficial and high level where it's really not digging into what type of assets that the different people bring to the organization in that front. Like there's a way to really have a, I would say a really decent behind scorecard of who you're bringing onto the team. And if you're looking at at least demographics from those two perspectives of the team and the city in the area, that should get you somewhere and point you be some sort of guiding star as to what it is that you're looking for. And like you said, shattering what you thought you wanted and really think think strategically about who your fans are. Like what kind of community appearances do you do and who would really be good in representing the organization in this, you know, yeah. in this 
setting or that setting? And are you even asking interview questions that drive at that kind of stuff? Or, you know, can I see this person out in different communities that we should be serving as our fan base, like really representing well? Um, because there's nothing worse. I will, and why am I talking? I'm interviewing you guys. I'm sorry. But one of the things that stood out being on an NFL team, which was just, I can only imagine if I weren't at some of these appearances, but when you see cheerleaders going out into communities, doing different appearances, and they, and they don't feel like that connection to whoever's present at that, you know, fill in the blank organization and, and event, like, do they do what's required of taking a picture and posing with the fans or the people that are at the event? Yes. But would I say as a director or something that that's the kind of level of interaction that I would expect an engagement from people that are on a team? Probably not. And I knew who the people were that really just clearly couldn't be bothered and really didn't identify or couldn't relate to the people that were at an appearance. But I think those are the types of things that, again, people just hopefully can broaden their mindset of like, what are we really looking for? What do we really expect of these dancers? What kind of presence do we want in the community? And how can I pick people that fit that? Okay, soapbox done. Sorry, Bianca, go ahead. So um, that, I mean, I agree with Caitlin. The thing that I loved about being a longtime veteran on a team is being able to say, yeah, I'm five foot one, I'm short, I have an athletic build, I am an NFL cheerleader. I think definitely feeling confident in like spreading the word, like not all cheerleaders look the same was something that I took very seriously. But something that I would challenge veteran cheerleaders to do is really look at themselves as like that role model. Really, yes, everything starts from the top and trickles down, but even on like the veteran team level, setting up an environment where it's more about camaraderie and like family and being teammates and not having that sense of like competition, right? Even during the audition process, it's easy to be like, oh, there's all the like Asian aspiring dancers, right? And like looking at them as competition, you know, instead of doing that, look at this as an opportunity to get more wins, right? Like encourage, take someone under your wing, show them the ropes, you know, during the audition process. Um, Because it is easy to be like, oh, they're my competition. But if everyone kind of looks at themselves as a returning veteran, I am someone who can really set the tone for this team and how, you know, we treat each other, how we view each other. I think that would make a huge difference when it comes to the culture of of the team itself. That's awesome because we have to stop doing that to each other. It's already enough when you're trying to, I won't even say fit in, but, you know, being a team player and being a part of a larger dynamic where you might be isolated or not really necessarily connecting with your teammates, you really should look at, you know, people who are showing up at auditions as potential teammates. And so having that welcoming mindset or being willing to put yourself out there to some extent, I mean, you know, there's still a competition, yes. So are you gonna like help them to your detriment? No, but I do think it is something to just welcome them to, there's so many small ways of like just showing that I see you and I'm excited for you. I think that goes a, a long way. I'm sure Caitlin would probably agree. Yeah. Well, I thank you ladies so much for just this conversation and being willing to share your experiences and perspectives. This is again, like I said, something that I just thought needed to be explored and I'm just really grateful to be able to share that with others that are listening and just something that we can all be mindful of and again it's awesome that there are 
directors in different spaces that are aware of the podcast, listen to it, and actually care about these issues. So I think hearing it in your own voices, through your own experiences, really resonates. And I think there's just more people listening than you think that, you know, can just take that into consideration. So I just appreciate you all sharing so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you so much. You. This yeah, is great. It's been an honor to be a part of this conversation and to hear so many perspectives so thank you thank you so much my pleasure thanks so much for listening to the pro cheerleading podcast you can follow your favorite podcast on social media at pro cheerleading podcast on instagram at pro cheer podcast on twitter we're on facebook on youtube and you can support your favorite podcast on patreon Until next time, keep your eyes on the sidelines.